and welcome to Between You and Me, the Marillion podcast presented by me, Paul Rose, and my dear wife, Sanya. Good morning, afternoon or evening to you <laughs> Firstly, you were going to leave it at morning there. It's not even morning here right now as we record this. Oh, yeah. So, and also people can be listening to it whenever. That's the beauty of a podcast. That is the beauty of a podcast. Hey, so here we are. Finally talking about Marillion.com. Yeah, finally, because, I mean, I, I don't think we've left it any longer than normal, but it feels like we've been listening to this for a long time. Yeah, it does. You and I. It really does. Working on this one. Whether that says anything about the album itself, I don't know. Now, I have rather disparagingly referred to this as Marillion's worst album. I know. What do you mean? Are you going to stand by that Let's see by the time we get to the end of it. I suspect we're probably going to be splitting this into two episodes, as we generally do with the albums. Yeah. But let's, before we get on, let's let's talk a little bit about some things that went on in 1999. Oh, the year I came to England. Was it? Yeah. You've been here a long time. August 28th. No wonder your accent is barely Aussie anymore. Yeah, I'm Fozzy. Fozzy. Fake Aussie. Uh, Oh. It would be like if you was part French, part Australian. Fozzy. 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 Fozzy Brer. Brer. B-R-A-I-R-E. Because it's French. Okay, careful now. People are going to unsubscribe and leave us just dirty reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of big things that happened, Marillion Wise. One, one of the things we touched on a couple of weeks ago, which was the remasters. Um which were orchestrated by dear Lucy Jordash. Um, we, you know what I'm talking about with the remasters, where they re-released all their EMI albums with bonus discs and new oh, sleeve right. notes. Yes, yes, and that that I think kicked off in '99. Uh, gave us, for instance, the great, the great, potentially great Lost Fish album on the Clutching at Straws bonus disc. Remember that? Are you looking at me blankly? Remember when we did Clutching at Straws and there were a whole load of extra tracks that they recorded with Fish before he left the band? Oh, yeah, that were like in between Clutching at Straws and Season's End. Yes. Yes, I do yes. remember that. Yes. Well done for remembering the order of the albums as well. I'm quite impressed by that. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> Given how blankly you were looking at me mere seconds before. <laughs> I was, I was praying for the brain to kick in. Yeah. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I loved that whole era of the remasters coming out again. Mm. Anyway, so another big thing that happened in 1999, which yes. doesn't get talked about very often, yes, is that um, Fish and H shared a stage. What? Yeah. Where? It was a, um, a festival called the Feast of Hope in Switzerland, and oh, they were wow. both on the bill. Singing... Their own stuff, yeah, or yeah, sharing yeah. the stage literally. Well, uh, they were they're, they're as themselves, like H to sing some Marillion songs, Fish to sing some Fish solo songs. So, wait, hang on, was it H with Marillion or no, just no, H, H, H by himself? I right. can't, I don't know why that came about like that and why Marillion weren't there. Um, but get this so, um, Fish invited H to sing Lavender with him, right? Uh, which I have heard of, uh bootleg of this very bad bootleg of it years ago suffice to say of course it's never been released <laughs> officially anywhere and he introduces it as this used to be my song now it's our song which i remember h saying in an interview that was very gracious of him but it's not true 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I seen a bit. Okay. I think it might have been then as well that the two of them rescued someone who was stuck in a lift. Oh wow! Um, I can't remember. That certainly happens at some point that they went out for dinner as after this gig or whatever, and the two of them were going somewhere. Someone got stuck in a lift and they oh, opened the doors. Imagine that being rescued by H and Fish. Yeah, that'd be weird. But anyway, so the Lavender one is is known. But Fish also sang uh, backing vocals on Hope for the Future. <laughs> what? Yeah. I haven't heard that, but I'd love to. If anyone's got a bootleg wow. of that, please send Brilliant. it my way. Fish. Well, that's kind of nice. By that, by that point, they seem to have reconciled their differences i don't think i don't know if he ever had any differences with age but he did no there were those the rest of the band. those comments in the press that that we have spoken about mm. but i think they both realized how the press wanted there to be some sort of rivalry yeah. but i don't think either of them really had a problem with each other you know fish's problems were with the rest of the band yeah he yeah he, yeah, he didn't, didn't know it, h no after and it's not like H swooped in to replace him. He no. left and then H yeah. came in. Can you imagine, though, what? They're such different people. Completely different people. What, you wondering if they got along, if they get along? Yeah. I think I think H is the kind of person that kind of gets along with them. Like, this is how he comes across. He could have a conversation with anyone. Yeah. And so could Fish. So I think, I think... At least if they were just out to dinner or something, it would be fine. I mean, Fish is very good at just talking at people. Yeah. And and H seems to be quite adaptable. You reckon? And personable. Yeah. I just... Because they're so different. They are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah and that's become they all are, the more apparent are. in the last year since Fish has been doing Fish on Friday and H has been doing his podcast. They couldn't be more different as people. How? What you mean? How differently they approach their various podcasts? I'm just talking about personality-wise. Yeah. You know what comes across on Fish's Friday thing, H's Monday thing. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't really seen Fish's Fish on Fridays. I, I that often. I. I don't um, think I've ever watched a whole one. I've only you've seen, seen some bits. bits I've seen you? bits. And as you said, yeah, he does talk a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, but we know that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's yeah. not interesting. I just I I'm don't not saying think, it's not. I just never think to check it out. Whereas yeah. because I'm subscribed to Corona Diaries and it comes up yeah. when I look in my podcast app, I'm more likely to listen to H. Yeah, I mean, I admit that I haven't watched Fish on Friday for quite a while. Have you not? You used to time. every Friday. Yeah, it's it's... If I'm honest... I... I like hearing about the songs and I know he'll he'll get people to vote for a song that he will then tell the stories about. Oh. And I like that. But you would also get a lot of fish kind of moaning about plumbing and his garden. And oh, see, I that love all was, that. Yeah, but the novelty of that, it was fine at first, but it has slightly worn off for me. Um, okay. I'm glad that he's managed to keep it going. I'm glad he's I doing it. I love his it. garden. And I'm glad that it clearly helped with, with Welsh Mertz. You know, it fed into that. But yeah, the the novelty of it has slightly worn off now because it, it's generally, certainly the start is normally quite unstructured. Um, it does seem quite stream of consciousness until we get to the song <laughs> of the week. Anyway, we're not here to discuss Fish's video podcast. 
No. Uh, he's two hours every week. It's a lot. It's a big commitment. That's a big commitment, uh, especially these days when there are a lot of things to watch and listen to. Yeah. But I think what I think where H is one is in my favour is I can just listen to it. I don't need to sit and watch it. It's a joy it. of a podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Y- y- and you, can, I, you can listen to it while doing other things. I kind of wish Fish on Friday would release audio yeah, versions Yeah, if he it. released audio versions, I'd at least dip in and out Yeah, and, and just hear what he was up to that week. Yeah, I would like that. I'd prefer that. And yeah. I can just have it on while I'm doing other things. But all the all the cool kids these days are releasing video podcasts, don't you? Well, know? fish ahead of the curve. He, yeah, he is the arc of the curve. Um, so anyway, that was uh, a couple of things that happened in 1999, mm-hmm. but not what we're really here to talk about this week. Dot com, Marillion dot com. I have to say. When they announced the title of the album, I thought, oh, that's the worst Marillion album title they've ever done. <laughs> that's going to date. <laughs> um, I, I thought that's really going to date. Oh, they're trying to sound modern. But, you know, most of us have been using the internet for five years or more by that point. And it wasn't either as as um, revolutionary as they might have thought because a couple of months before... Jethro Tull released an album called jtoll.com. So they beat them to it. Another prog band managed to beat Marillion to to, to, to the whole getting the band's website in the the album title. Do you know what inspired them to call the album album that? Yeah. Uh, This was the era, don't forget, that they were starting to use the internet in a big way, you know, with the Freaks mailing list and all that. And, of course they were coming to the end of their castle deal. Mm-hmm. And they, I think, were realising they were probably going to have to go it alone. So they were trying to drive people. It was an advert. Basically, they were trying to drive people to their website. Right. Um, and also in the album, they managed to get Castle to agree to put this insert in there with a um, for people to fill out and send to them, and in return they'd get a, a bonus CD, marillion.co.uk. As it was called. Did you get that? It didn't bother because the track listing wasn't that interesting. <laughs> it didn't right. really, yeah, wasn't bothered. I didn't bother. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it was an advert trying to drive people to the website and then on the website get them to sign up to the newsletter because they were building a database of fans, mm-hmm. basically, was the idea so that they could sell directly to the fans in the future. Everything that John Arneson claims that he suggested to the band to do they were now looking at doing it was uh it was the band trying to take control of their destiny which as well the the idea behind the cover i mean the main cover was um the woman standing with an open laptop which was glowing and some sort of streaks of information superhighway light around her that they got fans to send in photos of themselves passport photos so there would be an inner sleeve that had I think it was ended up being about 700 different people on it, the cover. that the it's photos that. on that web yeah. magazine? Yeah. yeah. Basically that. I mean, the band are on there as well. Best of luck. That's a great them. idea. It's a good idea. I didn't do it. I know. And I didn't Why? I didn't send off for the, the bonus CD. What was going on with you? It showed you, didn't it? Yeah, that's, that's not like at. you. These days, I know you'd be the first in there yeah. getting the bonus CD. Yeah. I don't know if you'd send in your photo, but you might. I might. I probably would do now, actually. 
Uh, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. So it was all about building this sense of community. Mm-hmm. The thing which has gone on to sustain Meridian to this day. I will give you a little quote from the man H, if you'd like it. I'd love it. He said, Now there's a medium by which you can keep things that are precious to yourself and you can have a network of members of a global gang that have nothing to do with what's necessarily going on in the high street or what's being sold and what's being marketed. The album isn't obsessed with the internet. The title is more to do with a sense of family and also of kicking back. What does he mean by kicking back? I don't know. Chilling out with your fam. Right. (laughs) Nothing to do with marketing at all. It's nothing to do with marketing. (laughs) It's not marketing. It's about family. It's about our family. It's not marketing. So he said in a, a web magazine interview about where the whole 700 faces on the sleeve comes from. He said, the point is, we've got this family thing going on that we've almost all but turned our back on the corporate marketing spend, the corporate distribution, and increasingly even on retail record outlets themselves, who are very selective about who they stock and have such a stranglehold on the music business that independent labels actually can't afford to stock a lot of these shops because they expect them to give them records for next to nothing. On the one hand, yeah, it's about family and kicking back, but also Marillion was starting to realise how having that, in quotes, family... uh, in brackets, uh, audience, <laughs> hardcore audience, <laughs> um, was what was going to keep them going. They were, I guess, starting to see the signs on the horizon of, of that they probably weren't going to get another record deal that that was beneficial to them mm. um, and were probably going to have to become an indie band. Not an indie band in the style of them trying to become an indie band, radiation-esque indie band, but... Um, Indie as in genuinely an independent band. So uh, uh, this came out about a year after Radiation. A lot of the music on there started life in the Radiation sessions. I think it was Tumble Down the Years and Interior Lulu had actually been mixed for Radiation. Really? Uh, the, mm. the versions, the Radiation versions of those songs were actually were on, um, were on one of the Christmas CDs, if I'm right. The radiation say. versions. Yeah. Are they very different? They're still basically the same size. If I if I remember, I should have tried to seek them out, but the interior Lulu was only about seven minutes as opposed to like the 15. What? But yeah, I don't think it had. The, end, the beginning was different. The ending wasn't there. What about the middle bit? Yeah. But they, they kind of didn't feel that they were finished songs. Right. Which is interesting. Did you hear because, improvement- Which is interesting, sorry, mm. just to say, because... Of, my a big part of my criticism with this album is a lot of the songs feel kind of unfinished to me. Yeah, you've said that before. Yeah. Would you do you think that the final version, the Meridian.com versions of Interior Lulu and Oh, they're better. They they are better. But with this album there is a lot of and again I've said this before, there's a lot of the production papering over cracks, I think. I think it's a really nicely produced album. It sounds really good, but I don't think the songs are as strong as the ones that were on, say, Radiation. I think Radiation has better songwriting, but Dot Com has better production, which, you know, as we know, Stephen Wilson kind of produced five of the tracks. He was asked to mix them, but he did more than just mix them. He actually got stuck in. Mm. But again, it was a case of they had... um, they had tried to, to basically produce the album by themselves and then get other people to mix it. Mm-hmm. 
So it was once again. It I don't wasn't... actually know what mixing means. Uh, it's like kind of going, oh, let's have the guitars up in that oh, here I see. and a bit more let's put a bit more reverb on that so let's, it's like arranging the sounds yeah yeah arranging sorry so not necessarily arranging the separate elements of, uh, arranging the separate instruments yeah so not necessarily kind of going this bit of the song goes here but it's like changing the levels of various right. instruments at one point getting into a work in so it's harmony. more about the sound and then what's the difference between that and producing well for instance, the way Mike Hunter or Dave Megan produces Marillion is they were there from the start. And they, and they piece together the Give advice songs. and say, why don't you try this? Or that's crap. Or, A bit uh, kind of like directing. Yes, like being the director. Do they also piece together the different song elements and create one song out of them? Certainly Mike Hunter, that's absolutely what he does. Mike Hunter will put a whole song together from bits of jams and go, what do you guys think of this? And they go, did we do that? And right. then they'll have to learn yeah. how to play it. Uh, Mike Hunter sometimes as well, and he he he, uh, he doesn't get enough credit for this. He actually has played music on Marillion albums because he'll go, look, um, what I'm saying is, look, I'll just play it and I'll show you and they'll just leave it in the album. Oh, okay. <laughs> he really a, is part of the band. Mike Hunter is a musician. Right. As well as a producer. So, whereas Dave Megan wasn't. Right. So Dave Megan couldn't go, uh, you know, okay, well, if I just, I'll just show you what I mean. Yeah. Whereas Mike can do yeah, that. Yeah, and he must have a good ear to sort of go and a kind of big picture thinking. Yeah. Just like kind of go, that would sound great here. Yeah. So he piece it together and then does someone else mix it or does Mike Hunter mix it as well? Don't, uh, don't quote me on this. For instance, Marbles, right, which Dave Megan produced, mm -hmm. he didn't have time to mix it all. So, for instance, on that, uh, they sent the, the song Angelina, you know Angelina, mm -hmm. yeah. to Stephen Wilson, and he mixed it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but but my, um, Dave Megan had produced it. Right. But Stephen Wilson mixed it because oh, okay. they ran out of time, which is they tried various different people with .com, mm -hmm. Um and they were just not happy with the results, which is why when um, Stephen Wilson said, well, look, I can have a listen, give it a go, when they bumped into him at one of their gigs, they took him up on it. And so they gave him Interior Lulu. Stephen right. Wilson had only produced his own stuff at that point. Yeah. This was his his start as a producer. And now he does it. It's, it's as much of his career as it is being in, uh, well, being in the band Stephen Wilson. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Interior Lulu, he went away and, and did Interior Lulu, cut 45 seconds out of it. Sadly, not the 45 seconds that should have been cut out of it. Uh, we all know what they are, don't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we both agree. On that, that yeah. chunk of the song. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, they, they said, oh, that's good. Oh, can you do another one? And so they kept, they basically wanted him to do all of it, but they ran out of time because they still had a schedule to kind of hit. So he ended up only doing five. Like he did go, oh, um, nice. and built in bastard radar was well, which sadly couldn't salvage that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's <sighs> it's also about what you're working with. Yeah, how much you can, <laughs> how much you can do with something. I think personally, I think it's noticeable the songs that he hasn't mixed or stroke. So which ones produced. has did he not mix? Um, he didn't do Stroke rich. Produce. He, he didn't, didn't do, do rich, rich, and I don't think he did deserve. Because the idea was, was it Nick Davis that they were gonna get to do what they saw as the singles, 
so deserve deserve was going to be single. Deserve kind of was in. They didn't release a single in the UK from this. It was only one. Uh, it was the first. So that was the first Marillion album without a single. But it was God. I can't remember which country it was. It was. A, it was a single somewhere in the world. Um, and they did do a video for it, or, or a video, you know, to promote the album for Deserve. Not the song I would have chosen, but there you go. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't think I would have chosen Deserve either. No, it's not very good, is it? So anyway, so a few few quotes from the band about the dot-com era. Steve R said, I don't have many memories from it, really, other than the feeling of us wanting to take control of our career and our frustration with the business. Mark Kelly said, That period was a bit depressing for us in terms of the career of the band. But dot-com was the beginning of our whole internet rebirth, so in that regard, it was exciting to know that we weren't going to be signing to another record label after that. Uh, Ian said, We had left EMI after Photo Sunlight and we had gone with independent labels. We were quite frustrated with the independent label scene and just wanted out of that, really. We were in the wilderness a little bit with record companies and whatnot and the internet. And that was the turning point. We saw it coming, the internet. That's why we called the album Marillion.com. H says... Not our best album. Worth the money for going house. <laughs> Did he actually say that? Yep. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> so well, even I even eight with I hindsight. Love going house, so yeah. Uh, so with with hindsight, Aww. the band are not. Um, oh. <laughs> At least he knows going house are great. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I don't hate Marillion.com. It was a lot better than I expected it to be. I know I'd made a big deal of it being their worst album. Look, Yeah, it's not that bad. I've got this to say throughout. You've got to bear in mind there's always two things going on when I'm talking about these albums on the podcast. Mm. One is me trying to remember how I felt at the time Mm -hmm. and how I feel now. Mm -hmm. And one often informs the other. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's been my reaction to the process of going and listening to it again. I haven't listened to Marillion.com as much since it originally came out. I really enjoyed when they played it live at the Marillion weekend a few years ago. And as we've said on this podcast, all of our mates that we share a chalet with were all like, oh Christ, not looking forward to the .com performance. And then they knocked it out of the park. It was yeah. amazing. Because <laughs> they put on such a performance of it, and yeah. yes, there was an unfortunate incident uh, where someone fell down a hole. You're still laughing, though, aren't you? I'm not. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Did anyone? Please, everyone at home, did you hear me laugh? Didn't laugh. Okay. <clears throat> we'll take your word for it. Didn't laugh. Uh, so you know that that. As probably of the Marillion albums that have been remaining that they hadn't performed at a Marillion weekend. Mm. It was the one I was least looking forward to and I ended up really enjoying the night. Part of why I enjoyed the night so much is because there were songs that they never get played live. Right. So it was like hearing Marillion do a bunch of Marillion songs that we never get to hear. And I I really appreciated that. Mm. So even though I may moan about this album and even though I have been very negative about this album in recent weeks and just very negative in general in recent weeks... um, I still have a soft spot for it because it's a Marillion album. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, it's like, okay, it's not one of my favourite albums, but if you say that's the worst of their albums, that's pretty good. 
Yeah. Because quite a few of the songs are quite light. Well, here's There's the thing. only really two that I'm not a massive fan of. The rest of them I like. Here's the two thing. Two or three. I, this morning, I listened to it again, my final listen before we do the podcast, as I always do. And I got to the end of A Legacy and went, oh, God, I'm starting to like it. Yeah, I know. I had that experience. Oh, God. It was like... I was like, I don't want to like this. It was like, I kind of think, oh, God, is this is this what Stockholm Syndrome's like? You know, <laughs> I've been listening to this so much yeah. recently. And then it got me thinking, because I know we're trying to give these albums a fair hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a natural way of listening to music, right? If you listen to a song and you don't like it, you don't keep going. No, you tend to just move on yeah. and skip it most other times yeah. the album comes on. Which is sort of what I've always done with .com. And this time forcing myself to listen to the songs over and over and over yeah. and over again is not how people listen to music. No, I, I skip liberally. Yeah. Like I've got no patience for songs I don't like. And very early on, I started skipping A Legacy. Very early on. Right. Very early on. I wanted to skip it after the first listen, yeah. I'll tell you that. And yet, here I am, and I keep going, and I keep going, and I keep going, and then this morning I went, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it started that was, to grow That was me, me last night. I listened oh. to it, I was looking at the lyrics, and I was like, oh, yes, it's not that bad. <sighs> and, I, and then I thought, no, you've fallen into the trap. Yeah, that's what, exactly. I don't love it. No. But I don't have that same level of yeah what's, what's a nice way of... i despised it <laughs> i hated it i was gonna say disgust which isn't yeah. which start, isn't... i'm telling you it's stockholm syndrome where we, <laughs> we have started to kind I've of i've even had it get stuck in my head several times <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like why of all, of all the songs it's okay though because there are some songs on .com that haven't grown on me that I still don't like. Out yeah. of all of them, the one that I least expected to grow on me was probably a legacy. Same. So I'm really surprised that I've started to go, and I actually even thought, you know what, if they open a gig with this, I'll be very happy. Oh my God, what's yeah. happened to I know. you? Because it's are like... Are you the same person? <laughs> Have you been taken over by aliens? I know, I actually thought, oh, I wouldn't mind hearing this live. Wow. Okay, it's... I'm not that... I'm but look, that hey, far. look, we've started. Let's get into it. Okay, a legacy. So... We're talking about it already. Let's just crack on okay. and do at least the first half of the album. Okay. Before the end of this episode. All right, let's do it. I mean, we may get through it all because I don't think there's masses to say. Right. Uh, because this isn't an album that had a lot of H lyrics on there. It's a lot of Helmer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think both you and I are similar in that we're enjoying, if that's the right word, documenting H's journey. Yeah, which I should have asked you beforehand because I kind of, a lot of, this album I've viewed through the lens of H's story. Yeah. So now I'm going to have to just, instead of saying <clears throat> it's about him, just say, oh, the, the singer or the writer. But the thing you have to remember as well is that H used to choose which lyrics to sing. So he would find the lyrics that he felt resonated with him and his life and he could embody. <sighs> Where do we start with this? Given that it's, an, it's a Helmer lyric. Mm-hmm. I got from Meridian Explanations of Song Elements, um, they had on there, Fraser had put some quotes which had been on the Meridian website, which I think explained a bit about each of the songs. So this was the official description of this song. Occasional Meridian lyricist John Helmer writes of a turmoil and divorce story as the music chops and changes, punchy here and delicate there, from film noir through funk, grunge and the Beatles with an accidental Beach Boys moment. Mm, you know the Beach Boys bit with the vocal harmonies mix. bit. 
Right. Which I think, if I'm right, what happened with that, there were drums under it. And then uh, I think this was a Stephen Wilson mix. Don't quote me on that. Uh, and he just took the drums away and it left behind these vocal harmonies that H had, H had sung, expecting them to be buried in the mix. <laughs> they oh, were just right. left there. Right. It was a, believe it or not, this really surprised me. I had no idea. This was one of those songs that H had written kind of at home and brought to the band. Oh. I did not expect that. Want me to read you a quote from H about it? Yes, please. H, I have to say, talks about this song like it's the best song ever written a little bit in a few different places. The band as a whole seemed to really like the song, so maybe they just heard it a lot like we did and it had kind of grown on them. He said, this is the song that I brought to the band. It was an idea I had quietly at home and brought in. It was a bit like Easter in a sense that I came in with a verse and a chorus and an idea for the structure of the song. So I'd get, I'd got that sort of la, 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 la. You know that bit. I'm not, I can't sing because you're looking at me blankly, just nodding. Mm. What's going on? Well, okay, it's fine. Just continue. <laughs> I can't this... remember that bit, but it's Wow, okay. it's the bit where the drums drop away and you get the kind of Beach Boys harmony bit. Oh, I'd need to listen to it again. Look, wow, I've got a lot how many of... times have you listened to it? Uh, yeah, I know, but I haven't got a memory like that. Okay, a memory for remembering things. <laughs> exactly, I don't. He said this strangely gothic, like something almost like a Berlin nightclub kind of melody. Melancholic, otherworldly. Transylvanian ballad to start with. And I got to Mysteries I Swallowed Whole when I was at home and I thought it should go from this to the Beatles on the, on the top of number three, several row. So I was trying to write this full on McCartney chorus. Why do they keep trying to write like the Beatles? Um, that immediately kicked in straight off with a very choppy dot, 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 like getting better from Sergeant Pepper to kick that straight into it. And this was a lyric that John sent us and I thought it was a really good lyric. I liked it a lot. It arrived at the end of the radiation sessions and we didn't have time to look at it. So then the band got their teeth into it and put all the much more sort of grunge rock elements that come in on it now. And then again, we thought we've really got something here, something that will work as a song. And then we went to the, the old three weeks of attrition to try and work out which order to put it all in. And during that process, this almost funk-like section, the 70s thing that we called the Lenny Kravitz section, uh, in the end, it was a very late stage. I ended up putting a little clavinet on it while Mark was out one day. And then into that bluesy, grungy sort of ending, which to me sounds like cream. There's this fantastic moment in it near the beginning after the first chorus when everything drops out to voices, which is pure Beach Boys and was pure accident. It wasn't conceived that way. Yes, so what he's saying is he had the basics of it, trying to write something that sounded a bit like the Beatles once again. And a uh, whole lot of other things as well. I wish they wouldn't do together. that. They do that a lot. Like really. Lenny Kravitz and yeah, Beach I wish... Boys. And it's just like a lot. I think it I think it weakens them as a band when they go, we were trying to write a song like dot, dot, dot. And I wish they wouldn't do it. And it's actually what I got. Um, we've mentioned me writing the, the press release for somewhere else. And when I wrote that press release, I put in references to things I'd seen in interviews from H where he'd said, oh, it sounds like duh, duh, duh. So mm -hmm. I put that in the press release and Lucy was like, I don't think that's a good idea, you know, comparing it to other things. She's right. right. Yeah. But I was just trying to do what the band always do, which they go, oh, we've got a song that sounds like this. And it's like, well, no, have a song that sounds like Marillion. Yeah. 
yes, we know early on they were massively influenced by Genesis on on Grendel, uh, but. As time went on in the 90s, they started going, oh, yeah, we've got a song that sounds like Counting Crows. Oh, yeah, we've got a song that sounds like Joni Mitchell. Nine times out of ten, they go, it's a song that sounds like the Beatles. It's, yes, we get there, your influences, but don't but constantly in... say that that's what you're doing. Because it's... And on top of that, the the whole thing of, you know, with radiation, if, you, if you're going after trends, and on here, House, where H compares it to Massive Attack... In fact, I think that might have been the working title for the song. If you're going to kind of try and ape music that's relatively recent, such as Lenny Kravitz or mm. Garbage, which also gets gets name-checked in mm-hmm. there, which I think deserves starting out as a garbage like song, then you're going to be out of date instead of, like, pushing forwards and trying to kind of make music. Yeah, that... you're kind of not copying, but being inspired by stuff that's already come. Because that those, those acts have already moved on. Mm. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, because also out in 1999, because I, mean, I had a look at some of the other, other bands that had stuff out in 99, Blur had their album 13, and they completely changed their sound on that album. Um, you know, Blur, who had been one of the, the Britpop bands, they'd left that behind. Uh, it was the album that Tender, do you know the song? Tender is oh, the yeah, love, yeah. that song had come off but they still sounded like them but they were pushing into new areas whereas Marillion a lot of the times in the 90s their idea of pushing into new areas felt like them trying to be like other people copying the sound the new areas that others had pushed yeah, into by, we, by which time that bandwagon had already moved on yeah and H really does have a habit of saying it even as recently as I think sounds that can't be made I remember him describing the title track on that as sounding like Simple Minds it's like, don't do that. Because it's also, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm. You you know, instead of saying, oh, it reminds me of such and such or whatever, don't do not do that. Just say it sounds like us. Because a lot of the time when he says these things, I wouldn't have noticed that, oh, that sounds a bit like the Beach Boys or or whatever. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> and then again, when it comes to a legacy, it's like they're not only sounding like one other band or artist but they've got like it seems like they've chucked a bunch of them in all in the same song yeah what a proggy thing to do which uh i'm not sure it works that well though sonically like i don't know if i like the sound of that how it's come across uh, in the legacy well i I... sometimes it does work sometimes in some songs it does work but personally i don't enjoy it that much in the legacy i find it I mean, and in fact, funny enough, uh, quote from H here, we wondered if it was throwing too many curves. Yeah. But it's gone down quite well. Oh, okay. He said, well, he, said he said, I don't believe it has. I mean, right. it's not stayed as a Marillion classic. Yeah. You know, people at the time kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, because Yeah, because you new. need 50 listens to try and make head or tail of it. I, yeah. My... I mean, my first impression was, oh, well, this is different. Um, and then I thought it sounded a bit dated and a bit average. Yeah. And it was just too much all mixed in together. What I wrote down mm. in my notes was it sounds like somebody put cathedral wall in a blender with the Beach Boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. It's like, oh, here's uh, a cathedral wally bit. Oh, here's them yeah. being Beatles-esque again. Yeah. What it does have go- going for it uh, is I think it's really nicely produced. Mm. Um, 
if you listen to it with headphones, it's really yeah. sonically rich. Yeah. Uh, which again is something. But you have to get past what the, the actual first song listen. sounds like. Yeah. In order to get to that place of being able to appreciate the production. The other thing with it as well is this. I have to be really careful how I say this because H is one of, if not my favourite vocalist of all time. I love his voice. But A Legacy is an example of the sort of song that I don't think his voice fits. Mm. Uh, when it, 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 it needs a kind of angry sort of vocal performance. And I think H sometimes struggles with that when it's kind of quite rocky. I've heard that, yeah. And so his voice on this song sounds almost strained. Yes. Like he's struggling yes. against the song. And that's, sorry, that doesn't, that's not when his voice is at its best, at least in my opinion. Maybe other people love it. Um, because his voice has so much subtlety to it. He's got such a great range and he's got the ability... He's got the ability to express a lot through subtlety without the need for shouting. I don't yeah. think he's got that fire of anger in him that maybe Fish did have. Yeah. Back in the day. Not that we want to compare him to Fish. We don't want, no, no, I don't want to compare but him. But Fish, I'm just saying Fish H was a, very good at those angry attacking songs. Yeah, and H has a different energy to him. And he's got, he's, he's when I love his voice is when he... He can be gentle with it. Well, the bit, and he can yeah. be powerful with it, and it can go high and low, and it's not just strange shouting. Where it works in this song is at the end when it all breaks down, and there's there's just that acoustic guitar. Yeah, see, I love that, that bit. bit and I his love voice that. Voice is amazing bit. in that. Yes. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said you can be powerful without shouting. Yeah. H is a, a song where it works amazingly. Is the Invisible Man. Yeah. Um, where. He he, it gets across frustration and and the it feels powerful, but it feels like he's kind of instead of swimming against the tide, he's swimming with it. Mm. Whereas I think it comes back to say I keep banging this drum, and it comes back to what I'm fear with the new album, is that Marillion, because H is a very different vocalist from Fish, they're not capable of as a unit of writing songs that have that same sort of angry power that they did back in the day. Because it's almost like a personality trait. It's a personality trait as much as anything, but they still have this hangover from it that they feel they should mm. instead of adapting. You know, they do. Of course they do because they've written many, many amazing songs, but they do still feel that sometimes they should do songs that have that power and attack, but H doesn't suit them as well. H has, H has the ability to sing really powerful songs yeah. really powerfully it just they don't tend to be the power of anger this is this is a song that could he, do, he doesn't he doesn't seem like someone who's fueled by anger no. or his go-to is anger but this is a song that would have fit on fugazi right I, yeah. i'll say it now i could see this song being on fugazi and fish doing a better job vocally than h is capable of that's not because fish is a better vocalist but because fish suits this sort of song better than h does yeah he's got h, different energy h fits go h fits house yeah oh h fits um, go perfectly fortunately for me because the kind of music they make with h when when it's at its best is far more my taste mm. than something like a legacy but they do still it seems to me like they do still feel they need to write songs with an attack maybe they want to as well, well you maybe know? they maybe want they to but they should have to but they, they want to in which case it's like well 
you know, it's their choice. Yeah, well, I know, because I know sometimes H, you know, thinks thinks uh, he can do a good punk impression. Most toys. Yeah, and H's idea, H's mind, he's singing a punk song. It's not, mate. What? No, nothing. <laughs> I can't imagine H as a punk. No. He's not, he's too spiritual. Yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. So, I don't know, in places, as I say, I like some of the keyboards here. Um, lyrically, it's all right. It's a song about clearly leaving someone and leaving them with a legacy of pain and hurt, and that's what I think. That's, yeah, that's basically... I said, well, see, I thought it was... Um, I didn't I didn't know it was a John Helmer lyric. So I thought it was because, you know, of what we were talking about recently, what was happening in H's personal life. Um I thought there was a lot of self-loathing and almost regret in the lyrics. And like you said, you know, he leaves some with a legacy of, of um, pain and anxiety and doubts and unanswered questions every time he leaves to go on tour. Um, uh, unkept promises. And then love he tried to spread too wide, yeah. which leads to um, muscles you can grow in hate, which sounds like, the resentment building in the relationship. So a relationship that didn't break up, that stayed together, but the the, the resentment is growing slowly, mm. forming cracks in it even more. Um, yeah, it made it sound like infidelity is almost inevitable once whoever wrote this song hits the road. John Helmer. John Helmer jo- wrote it, dude. Well, yeah, so it, <laughs> maybe... Maybe it's John Helmer's experience, or he was just writing it generally. About I'm gonna reach out to John another, Helmer. Another I think character. I'm gonna to have to reach out and ask him. And yeah, let's yeah, because let's get him on the podcast. Um, the one lyric that I'd love to understand a bit better is when he sings "Young Man's Shame and Old Man's Pride." What do you think that means? Young Man's Shame yeah. and Old Man's Pride, like. He just seems to be singing, like before that he was singing about this horrible legacy of angst and worry and mistrust that he's leaving behind every time he leaves. But then it's like young man's shame and old man's pride. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's I asked John Helmer. Yes, asked John Helmer. But yeah. I thought I thought it fit really well as a continuation of the story from yeah, previous albums. The, the marital strife, it does. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a surprise to find that it's not an H lyric. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it was a common thing for many musicians. Yeah. Or, or artists. Or just people in general. Or, pe- or people. <laughs> well, yeah, but not many people are always leaving to go on the road. Yeah, I didn't necessarily see it as that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just saw it as... Actually, as... yeah, he didn't actually say it was when I leave you to go on the road. It no, was just that when was, I leave that was you. Your, that was your interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fair yeah. enough. I think it was just about the damage that a breakup leaves behind, or, well, or the rather that, the, that infidelity leaves behind. I didn't. I didn't necessarily even read it as a song about infidelity. Well, love, I try to spread too wide. <sighs> yeah, I know. Maybe anxiety about stories that have been left untold, stuff like that. Like, well, what did you get up to? I more just saw it as as a toxic relationship and the damage that does, even after you split up with someone. Mm. The ongoing trauma, for example. Should we move on? 
Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to read a quote. I am, but it's about deserve. Oh, it's about deserve. Okay, let's move on to deserve. How do you feel about Deserve? Um, well, it goes from that nice bit of a legacy, mm-hmm. that nice gothic guitar bit, into this saxophone, performed by Ben Castle, the son of Roy Castle, who you probably don't know, mm-hmm. who was a famous new, I don't know, entertainer, I suppose, from that era where people were entertainers. You know, he could do everything, dance, sing, and he presented a long-running kids' show called record breakers mm-hmm. and by all accounts seemed like a very lovely man who sadly died of lung cancer because um of performing in clubs back in the days when smoking oh, wasn't no. bad and he wasn't a smoker oh uh, no yeah there's so a ben castle who ian mosley uh then went on to do an album with called post mankind that right. we shall have a listen to at some point and discuss because I actually really like it. It's a really good album. Anyway, so he provides the saxophone on this. What I can say is it's it's definitely one of my least favourite Marillion songs. Um, I can certainly say it's probably, it's up there in my top three least favourite Marillion lyrics, written by H. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I really, really don't like the lyric. I don't get, A, I don't really get what it's saying. B, it just feels sneery and cynical. And I've got a theory, but yeah, I can't. I can't say. I well, love look, it. I get what it's saying, but what I mean is, what you really think everyone gets what they deserve. Some people, such as yeah, oh, the irony, the the freaking irony that Roy Castle's son sings on it. Roy Castle, a non-smoker who performed in <laughs> working men's clubs and died of lung cancer. Oh, Did he get what wait, he deserved? I do eh? have a take. Did he? On, I have a oh. take on this, which we'll get to when we talk about what we think it's about. Okay, so do you want? I'm going to give you a quote from H. Right about this, he he describes it as the first Marillion song you can line dance to. What? I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. This is <laughs> the first Marillion song you can line dance to. That's amazing. What a quote. 1999. We need year, to we need to get that on a poster. The year that Shania Twain had her massive hit. The um, what's that? What was the song? Oh. Uh, oh, man, I feel like that, a woman. Was it that one? That one. I've got it. I wrote it down. Uh, that don't impress me much. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. That, that one. one. So, you All know, right. that year we had those two big country hits. Is around hits. Billy Ray Cyrus's time as well? Don't know. No, well, some other, other big hits that year were Hit Me Baby One More Time, uh, Mambo Number no. 5, Living La Vida Loca. Uh, that don't impress and, me much. And Deserve. And Deserve. Not a golden year for music. Uh, and deserve that other that other country classic. Yeah. Um, it's just horrible. Wow. Okay. I'm not. I'm not of the same mind as you. I. I have to say, I'm in two minds about this song because. So yes, we came out of that lovely acoustic part of Le- a legacy, and then this blasts off with the saxophone, which I was just like. <laughs> I was expecting Michael Bolton to put his head around the yeah, corner or something. That's... It just dates the song so much. Yeah. Which okay, maybe back in in that time it wasn't dated, but it 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 does sound dated listening to it now. Um, oh no, it sounded dated then. I mean, I, did it. I always remember on the Marillion forum someone described it as the animal hospital theme. 
<laughs> really? Which I'm not <laughs> familiar like with that. it, but yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, so I really didn't enjoy the start of it, but then the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me, and I think it's got a really good beat. It's got great bass all the way through, and the and the song I think has a great rhythm, which makes it really catchy. But I don't love the lyrics, and that gets in the way of the song. I think it, it's the lyrics irritate me. We'll get to them in a minute. Yeah, the song itself, they sound really tight on it as a band. They sound way more than they did yeah, on the last they do. two albums for yeah. me. They sound really tight on it. It's yeah. really nicely produced. Just keep the saxophone they sound, off it. The saxophone is unfortunate. <laughs> it's uh, really, the really yeah, given that this is the song that I'm sorry to whatever that guy's name ben was. Ben Castle. It was basically the song that started to sound as a garbage song, so a little bit grungy. Right. How it turned then into this. It's not it's not it's not the steamer. No. No, no, it's not a steamer. It's not the steamer in the way that that song somehow it was the music that annoyed me on Holidays in Eden. Yeah, and it's it's not the music that annoys me on this. And I, no. if I don't think too much about it, I do enjoy it. I, I mean, lyrically, I do enjoy the music. And even the lyrics now that I, I'm not fully against the lyrics. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I'm not fully against the lyrics, but I still don't love them because they do leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, they do. Again, up there with Three Minute Boy. In that, that's of, it. Yes, that's it. It's like, mate, that's not very nice. Yeah, but wait till. Uh, okay, I, we'll I get there in a minute. My thoughts. All right. I mean, it's it's catchy. It's just not what I want from a Marillion song. This isn't what I want Marillion to sound like. And so, yeah, it's like it's like Cannibal Surf Babe without the fun. Yeah. It sort of comes in a similar place on the album. Well, Cannibal Surf Babe without the fun and then with a, like a, a thick dose of cynicism. Yeah. And bitterness thrown in. It's horrible. It's like, it's not a nice feeling song. I mean, I don't, it's just, it's catchy. It sounds a bit, you know, the guitar's being to the fore in a radiation-y sort of way. Um, but yeah, it's the antithesis of what I want Marillion to do. Unfortunately, even though things do improve creatively and otherwise for the band going forwards, there are other songs along these lines that they do. And again, I think it's one of those songs that they went, we need what we need the a live song, a song that we can play yeah. live that gives the, the set a bit of energy. Yeah. That's, An upbeat, catchy song that everyone can sort of bop along to. That's why I think they wrote it. It's a sing well, it's meant to be a single. I wouldn't have chosen it as the single, but No, again, what it's clearly been written as a single, yeah. right? And is that is that really the message they want us? Did they learn nothing from Hooks in You? And I like Hooks in You, but did they learn nothing from the reception that Hooks in You got where, you know, half of their fan base went, sub this, I'm off. And you were going to release this. And they did in one territory that I can't find, that I've written down. What um, would you have released as a single from the album? Go. Yeah, same. I was going to say that. Yeah, go. Go. Go would have been an awesome and single far, and far truer to them, right? Far, yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Far more representative of Marillion. Yeah. Of good And Marillion. a great song. So, anyway, it's just, just horrible mid-tempo pop rocker that, for me, not only do I not like the lyrics, I don't like H's vocal performance on it. And that's mm. rare for me to say that. I don't like his vocals on it. Yeah. yeah, because again, it's not 
making the most of his voice and no. this, and the the talent in his voice. It's just <sighs> a bit of sort of not shouting, but almost. So he started life as part of the radiation sessions. Right. Um, do you want a little quote from H about the lyrics before we get into them? Do you want a profound quote yes, about please. the meaning of the song? Yes, please. So he said, um, I don't know where the words came from. They've got money, they've got sun, they look like they're having fun. That came out of Hello magazine, really. It came out of yacht mariners and supermodels and the beautiful people. You know, insanely rich, having a good time in the sun. That started it off. And the observation that what at first glance looks like it could be heavenly can also be hellish. You know, when actually experienced. So that led to this idea of getting what you deserve. And the more I thought we get what we deserve, the more I thought, yeah, we do. And the more I thought about my life, the more I came to the conclusion that I've been getting what I deserve all along, the good and the bad. And I started thinking about everything else and then started thinking almost globally and then thinking, well, we do get what we deserve globally too. We've all got what's coming to us, the good and bad. And obviously you can turn around and go, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, somebody wakes up one day and finds they've got some terrible life-threatening disease. You can't say they deserve that. And that's true, but at the same time, the way they respond to that is in their head. You know, what they let that do to them and how they deal with it to some extent in their minds. So in that sense, we get what we deserve because we make our own misery and we carry on and endure it. I know I do every day about a hundred times. Mm. Well, so this is a man who's writing or trying to write objectively mm-hmm. without realising he's writing very subjectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it seems like. He's yeah. like kind of trying to write something that's universal, but actually it's all about him. Yeah. And yeah. where he is at in his yeah. life. Yeah, well, that's exactly... Okay, so that was what I was going to talk about. Um, I couldn't quite decide whether this song was H being cynical again about celebrities and stars and their yearning for worldly success whether he's slightly venomously commenting, not even slightly, where he's venomously commenting how material gains are those for, material gains are for those people who are truly hungry for them, but then all that yearning for materialistic accomplishments, ultimately they have to pay a price for with their happiness. They get stress, they get tension, demons in their bed, etc., um, and then because he goes on about then about how like valuable things are the flowers and the trees and things like that, which he's written about before. Um, but then I thought there seems to be a continuation of that undercurrent of self-loathing that was in a legacy. Mm. And maybe he's real realizing that it's his own chase and hunger for fame and fortune because he knew that's what he really wanted. That's what he placed uh, yeah. importance I'll on. Tell you, that's... And that has bought the pay- price of pain and stress in his own life, which he was going through at that time with his, rela- with his relationship. And this song almost serves as a kind of self-chastisement of him saying to himself that he's gotten what he deserves. Like, if you're in pain now, if you're having marital distress... You brought it on yourself. You brought it upon yourself. But, regardless of that... It still leaves a sour taste well, in my look, mouth. Yeah. It's still really unpleasant. It's because got like an unpleasant because vibe. he's singing we, not I. Yeah, yes. Yeah, maybe it's that. I it got, just instead of going, I got what I deserve, tasted... he goes, we get what we deserve. Yes. And it's like, hang on, don't don't rope me into this, mate. Yeah. You've made this mess. Don't, yeah. don't say no, no. 
Yeah, because, yeah, the poor guy that got lung cancer from playing in clubs. Yeah. Well, was that because he was chasing fame or because he would, he liked playing music? You can't you can't guess for him. Yeah. And I, OK, his quote there about how it's how you deal with it. Look, we know people who have perhaps been ill or are ill who are quite... Watch my words, but actually kind of... <sighs> Let it defeat them, shall we say. But also, I've known people who, like Roy Castle, he didn't let it defeat him. You know, he went out there and instead campaigned a a big anti-smoking campaign and smoking indoors and all that. He was very, you know, he raised a lot of money for, Mm. you know, some people lose a leg and climb Everest. Some people lose a leg and go, my life is over. But I don't understand uh, how that relates to they get what they deserve. Exactly. I don't, yeah. that doesn't I, seem I know to... what he's saying in, yeah. in that I get, quote. yeah, I get. I know what he's saying, but it doesn't come across in the song. Yeah. It comes across in like, I don't know, it's just, I don't know. It's just horrible. It's a yeah. horrible song. It doesn't, it's... Horrible. Yeah, it feels mean-spirited. It feels mean-spirited towards others, but also seem, it, it also feels a little bit... I mean, and, and you can't help that. It feels mean-spirited towards himself. Like, even if it's self-loathing, that's not a nice thing to feel as a listener. I don't want to hear him hating himself, but I understand. I understand the song artistically. It still doesn't leave a no, nice it's feeling. It's not nice. Sorry, it isn't. It's not what, again, not what. It feels well, mean-spirited. Musically, it's not what I want from Marillion. Lyrically, it's not what I want from Marillion. Vocally, it's not what I want from Steve Hogarth. Everything about this song just feels wrong to me. Yeah, okay, mm. it might be catchy, but it's a horrible song. And it's particularly a horrible Marillion song. Yeah. I don't mind the music. I do find myself bopping along to it. But I really don't. I don't love its sentiment. No, to say the least. Because I don't think everyone gets what they deserve. No, I don't. You know, what about kids that go through trauma and stuff? How have they deserved that? Yeah, it gets into... It's like... And I have to, again, watch what I'm saying here, but it's like I always remember years ago, I went to... My eldest daughter was in Brownies, or was she in Girl Guides? I can't remember. Uh, And they were doing a... You know, we're not religious at all, but if we are anything, we're Church of England. And her guides group were doing, were invited to some Catholic church for some, I don't know, ceremony service, whatever it was. And all the kids had to go up and ask to be forgiven for their sins. Oh, yeah. Well, I grew up Catholic, so. And she was like, what, seven or or eight at the time. And I left that church. First confession. Yeah, I left that church enraged that my daughter had been expected to do that. So you're like, you're just instilling a lifetime of guilt upon them, this idea. And that's sort of what this song is. It's like, you know, we all, you know, sorry, kids. Oh, I don't ever want to go on about it. It's it's just made me angry. I mean, I want to say, you know, it's not like I want this song to be erased from history because it it is a a snapshot of where he was at. H's emotional state at the time and mental state. And so as a representation of that it's valuable yes but doesn't mean it 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 tastes nice no it's got at least a horrible taste in the mouth mm-hmm. yeah and sorry yeah okay you don't mind the music yeah it's catchy it's it's shit <laughs> and that's the last thing i'll say about it 
moving on to hopefully something a bit nicer. Yeah, and let's make this our last song of this episode. Right. Our last track. We'll continue next week okay. with the rest of the well, This is a good one to end on. It is. We're going to end on an upbeat note. Yay. This, uh, well, go on. You go first this time. I, oh, well, I said when Go comes on after Deserve, it was like a balm for my ears. <laughs> Yeah, I just ever? love it. I love the strumming at the start and how that sets the pace for a really thoughtful atmosphere. Um, uh, the guitar is amazing throughout, and the harmony bit, and when he sings the wide awake bit at the end, it's just beautiful. I love it. I love the atmosphere of it. I love the energy of it and the flow. It, mm. It's almost deserves opposite. In that sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, well, and it's a legacy's opposite. Let's not just bash on deserve. A, mm. le- a legacy I didn't love at first either, the sounds of it. So, yeah. Did, did you want to say something? <laughs> well, yeah. I could, I could have something to say. Uh, apparently this was a nightmare to, to get right. They had all the various bits. Uh, H said in this very informative interview that... Uh, they had about 40 different arrangements of it before getting to the one they, they, they liked. Four, zero, four, yeah. two. <laughs> no it way. It apparently took forever to to arrange the way wow. they, they liked it. I mean, it paid off because I think it's brilliant. Yeah. It is one of my favourite Marillion songs. Oh, really? Yeah, I it's, love um, it. For a long time, I liked it but didn't love it. And then when they started playing it live, you know, when we get live we get to you know wide awake on the edge of the world and everyone puts the finger lights yeah, in the air so which they've done twice now but live as well that that end section the wide awake and the edge yeah. of the world section and everyone sings yeah and that because on the album for me it fades out and i don't like that it fades out because i love that last minute and i want more of it it's one of the rare meridian songs that i go could have been longer you know often i think oh it's gone on a bit Mm. But this one, I think, no, God, oh, they could have extended that even longer, which they do live. Yeah. And I love it. Um, yeah. But I love the atmosphere of, of yeah, that gentle strumming. But it's also, again, Stephen Wilson hats off to him, really interesting sonically. There's a lot kind of in the mix yes. there going yes. on. That, yeah. Uh, I, I really love as well is the fact you can hear Rother's fingers on the guitar, the sort of, his fingers sort of sliding along the guitar strings and it gives it a really nice organic warmth to it. Mm. Uh, you know, nice solo um, and the build, yeah, towards that end section when it just changes, the song flips, is uh, is lovely. And yeah, I did, I used to find it a bit dull, but it, it's over the years, it's really grown on me. And I think I found it dull partly because this album as a whole I was fairly down on. So maybe that influenced, overshadowed your experience of the song. Do you yeah. think that happened? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's it's as well, I think I kind of went, oh, it's dry land territory or something like that. You know, the song Dry Land. Yeah, but I love but, Dry Land too. So. I know you do. But I prefer, <laughs> I prefer this to, to ask. I prefer this to Dry Land. I think mm. it's prettier and just warmer. And you want to know what H says about it? Yes, Other please. Than the 40... The 40 different versions. He says it's his, probably his favourite song at the moment when this interview was done in 1999. Um, but it's probably one of the singlest, sing, simplest songs lyrically that I've ever written in the sense that there are actually very few words in it. 
it doesn't really say much, but it says it in a very dreamy, otherworldly sort of way. And it takes me places, even though I wrote it. It takes me off when I hear it. It reminds me of a lot of good things. Aww. I think, lyrically, mm. uh, when you look at the lyrics, you see that this is continuing on from some of the themes on radiation. The These chains... Mm-hmm. The you know oh, the turn your yes. life turn, it was originally yes. called upside down that was the working title turn your life upside down take a car into town wait until the world's sleep and tear it up and never stop again take a train to the sea stay up all night and be it only takes a fraction of a second to turn your life upside down these chains yes are, you know, yeah yeah the, the, the chains coming off and him finally being able to that's what it feels free. like it and it and it really comes across in the feeling of the song yeah yeah. But it's a more optimistic, was, there was more sort of hurt with yes. these chains, more sort of angry yearning. Yeah. Whereas this feels like, you know, oh, the, the, this is the, it's a more the optimistic. Step forward, yeah. It's an optimistic. This comes song. after these chains. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a happier song. It's a lo- it definitely it's feels happier, yeah. And it feels, uh, unlike Radiation, which at the time already felt out of step with fashion uh, and this strange engine felt wildly out of step with fashion. One thing I will say about this album, this is a good example of it. I never at the time really felt, oh, this is, it started to feel, Meridian started to feel more timeless and Go is a good example. Yeah, I would definitely Um, say Go is timeless. If I'd have heard this for the first time now, not knowing who it was by or when it was created, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you which era it was from. No. No, it's um, Barley. That's doesn't down. have a saxophone on it. Oh Jesus! <sighs> Imagine if they put sax on this as well. Oh, no. How to, how to ruin a song? <laughs> yeah, saxophone has its place in the nineties. Oh, I thought you were going to say in the bin. <laughs> no, sometimes it yeah. can work. Sometimes it can work. It just didn't work in in the beginning oh, of Deserve. Oh God! Yeah, it's all a bit Miami Vice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't got a lot to say because like H says, it's a simple song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't write that much. I just wrote, it seems like this song is about how a small decision or, or choice can potentially change the entire the course of your entire life. Yeah. Uh, it only takes a fraction of a second to turn your life upside down. So, again, it seems to be a theme of, Wanting to escape or get away mm. from the drowsy yeah, mundane still, world. Well, he's still there, a, isn't he? Yeah, to a more exciting, magical life. So to go from the drowsy mundane world to being wide awake on the edge of the world. But let's take it. Seems it seems to be like a yearning to just live. But going forwards, it's a theme that he returns to again. You know, fantastic place. Take me to the fantastic place. Yeah. Uh, it does. Yeah. He does seem to be someone who yearns for escape, or at yeah. least did. Yes. You know, yearns to be elsewhere, um, yeah, and have his life tra- life transformed. So there's yeah, there's really not a lot. I kind of feel we're doing the song a disservice, but that we might be skipping over it a bit. But it's a really simple little song that just happens to be really pretty. And mm. uh, yeah, it's the first time on the album, and I remember when I heard it, it was like, oh, thank God, okay. <laughs> yeah. But Same. I still found it a bit. <sighs> I'll tell you what this strange engine had in its favour. It opened with Man of a Thousand Faces. So first impressions count. And I think with me, with this album, it opened with a legacy into Deserve. And by that point, my attitude towards the album had already been poisoned. Mm. Uh, so I never 
back in the day, I don't think I ever really gave go the time of day. You didn't give go a fair go? No, I didn't. Uh, I've gone by then. Fair go. Fair go, love. Uh, okay, you all right there? <laughs> fair go. Are you all right there? That's what they say in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> fair go. Maybe not with a lob. Love. Cobber. <laughs> fair go, cobber. <laughs> um... That's it. I don't know. I've got much more to say about. It. I feel like I want to or ought to. It's yeah, not one of I my like, favourite. I like listening songs. to it. I like the experience of it. I like the feeling that I get listening to it. It has become this thing live, hasn't it? For, oh, it's great. For, for those who aren't aware, one of the Meridian UK weekends a few years back, a fan. Apologies for not remembering their name. Um, handed out finger lights along with instructions that everyone put them in the air. At, at, the wide awake on the edge of the world point and it was a surprise for the band the band weren't aware that this was going to happen apparently they were just like whoa what um and it, it was very magical by all accounts we weren't there sadly but we were there when they repeated it at the royal albert hall when yeah. it was being filmed and it was really magical yeah and they gave us the finger lights that time although i'd bought extra i think our friend mark had bought extra as well oh, yeah they? we had them on every finger yeah uh and it was great. It was like a sort of budget Coldplay gig. Uh, you know, Coldplay give everyone these high-tech wristbands Did that pulse in time with the music. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, we, we get finger lights. The finger lights were great. Oh, it was, oh, it was great. so effective. If you can find it's it. It's when on... it's dark in there and then you yeah. just see all these twinkly lights going perfectly with that part of the song and everyone's singing at the same yeah. time. Everyone's singing along. And if, you, if you've got Sky Arts, it's on there now, the All One Tonight gig, and you can actually see the, the, the version of Go there where the finger lights go up. Uh, it doesn't actually do it justice on the video. It's a bit, a bit of a shame because it was in person. It was really something else. Because you're completely surrounded by yeah. them. And we yeah. had great seats at the top, yeah. uh, slap bang in the middle facing the stage. And so, you know, we got to take the whole thing in. It was sort of great lighting as well, complementing it. Uh, yeah, so that's become it's become the finger lights song. What's going on with the motorbikes? Our street has become a motorbike haven today. Yeah, they're cutting loose like a deuce, <laughs> like a, a runner deuce. in the night. Oh, yeah, <laughs> go then. I always used to think it was cutting loose like a goose. So did I. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I you still know I thought did. it was. Oh, did you? Cutting loose yeah. like a goose. <laughs> like a runner in the night. It's like the farmer. We've got another runner. <laughs> We've got another runner. The goose back. <laughs> the goose is off again. So that's it for the first half. We made it album. through. We made it through. Um, we'll be back next week with part two of Dot Com. What have we got left on the album? Rich. Uh, We've got Rich, Rich, Enlightened, Built in Bastard Radar, Interior Lulu, uh, and House. Sanya, Dr. Sa- House. Sanya pulled some faces for some of those songs. I'll let you speculate as to which ones. <laughs> as I was running down the list, there were there were some raised eyebrows. Um, but we'll 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 reveal all in the next episode. So uh, support us on Patreon if you want to, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. There should be a link in the episode description. There should be a bonus episode on there where we talk about when we think the new Meridian album's out, uh, as well as getting episodes early. 
Uh, go find us on Twitter and Facebook. Send us an email about Marillion.com for the inevitable Marillion.com post bag, beampod at gmail.com. And that's it. We will catch up with you next week. Yes. 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 <laughs> Dot com you later. Oh. Uh, hmm. It doesn't work, but let's just roll with Marillion. it. Marillion.com at yeah. <laughs> Stop coming in your ears. Oh, no. Right? Cool. <laughs> That's enough. Right, goodbye. Yeah.